Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro. Well, that was so anticlimactic. Well, I, I can't do it every time. It I, was really good. In Hillsboro, Oregon, and this what, is... What about, what about me? I, I, do, I don't get to do you got to introduce cool. yourself, man. I'm Chris Gorman, and I'm the regional minister for the NAB Northwest. So we got Chris. Chris has been with us several times, um, a while ago now. Yeah. And so we are. We're kind of starting back up. And so we have Chris, and Chris is our COVID specialist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's tell him the title of today's talk. All right, go for it. The title of today's talk is the COVID mirror. Dun dun dun. Yes. Uh, and it has been a mirror. We're gonna have to vote on these top these titles. Dude, you had no problem with this title. Well, I didn't actually know it was a title. <laughs> that, it's in bold. The COVID mirror. Uh, I actually probably emboldened it myself. <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. Okay, so you, you know, Nick and I. Long story short, of course, Nick's up in Washington. I'm down here in Oregon. And so when we go through these these topics and these doc, uh, we create a document. Uh, we put some ideas. Don't tell down. them what we do. Well, They're giving away all the trade secrets. <laughs> like they wouldn't figure that there's some. I would hope they would think there's some sort of planning. Well, so, just so you know, like I didn't get these notes, and so you guys are planned, and I'm like. I think I think Bobby was supposed to text them to you. Well, we were just trusting in your wisdom, Chris, that you didn't <laughs> need notes because the spirit would just shine and, upon and you. We shall and see. Speak. <laughs> we shall see. Um, so you know. Here's, here's the thing, um, and we don't want to get too sidetracked. Uh, but we want to talk about what's happened because of COVID. Yeah, we want to talk about what's happened because of COVID. Um, and, I mean, you know, here's the question some people ask. Did, where did COVID come from? Not scientifically, but, like, who caused COVID? And you put a few things down there. I don't know if you were going to talk through that. I mean, I think we can all just kind of jump in. I mean, I think the idea... There's different worldviews at play right now. Yeah. Um, some will say it's some retaliation or judgment of, of some angry God. Some will say that uh, this is just random chaotic events, that everything is chaos, this is chaos, and this is what you believe in a world um, created through evolution and natural selection. Um, we... Uh, of course, because of our view upon God's word and we, uh, what we believe of him as sovereign and all-powerful, we believe that God is ultimately in control of all things. And uh, like in Isaiah 45, 7, God says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. Yeah. I am the Lord who does all of these, which I think for a lot of times us as Christians that kind of breaks our, our little bubble that we live in because we think only God will do the things that we have already kind of predetermined that he will do. And God says, well, actually, I'm in control of everything. I'm in control of, of all that you will consider good and, and all that you consider not good. And yet he is using it all for the advancement of the gospel, for the good of his yeah. church and for his glory. For his glory. Yeah. Um, well, and, and we have to be careful. Now, this is, again, probably, I think we've actually already talked about this. Um, that does not make God the author of evil. Right, right. right. And we can, yeah, you start getting into like how, so you, there's, how does that all work and play. theological conversation. And it is hard. Yeah. But yet, like we were, we preached through Habakkuk 
going through COVID. And we were going to be doing something else. And I just felt as we ended the book of James that we needed to go to the book of Habakkuk. Because in Habakkuk, you got a guy who's just wrestling with what's happening. And, and Israel is, is suffering through uh, division and pain and suffering. And there's injustice right now. And Habakkuk uh, cries out to God. And he's like, what are you doing? Where are you at? Yeah. And God basically responds and says, don't worry. I'm going to take care of all this. I'm going to send the Chaldeans, which is the Babylonians. And they're going to come and totally destroy. Which totally <laughs> throws Habakkuk into another tailspin. He's going, wait a minute. How is that good? And so in... And by destroy, you're talking about the people of Israel. The people of Israel and actually about... bring them into captivity. Yeah. And so Habakkuk's wrestling with this. And I love in chapter 1, verse 5... Where God says, I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just hang to that because, or hang on that because yeah. that's the truth we live in. And actually, at all moments of our lives. Yeah. I, think, I think, too, it's a, you know, the Bible says clearly that because these, these things are beyond our pay grade to comprehend. And the, and the scriptures say that. Jeremiah says that. That there are things for us to know, and then he says there's secret things they belong to God. Like there, there are things that are mysterious that we don't understand. And I think another aspect of what's going on around us is, from a Christian worldview, we understand that the world has been subjected to futility through yes. sin and death, and we we understand, you know, in Romans eight that 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 reality, and so that the world is groaning, you know, until mm -hmm. until the day of Christ. And so so we we live, and, and I think this is a great place where we can connect with with non-believers and everyone around us where we, we have this in common, where we can, we can, we're experiencing the same groaning, the same reality. And I think we, we can go as a result of sin that has affected every single thing, including viruses. The reason why viruses exist um, is because we live in a broken, sinful world that is, yeah. that is constantly in decay and chaos. Yeah. Chaos is the order of the day always. Uh, in this world, and uh, and yet, you know, we we look at that as a, as Christians, we can help make sense of it, and yet, and yet, God is God is actually redeeming and restoring and bringing out of the ashes of constant sin and chaos, He's bringing life and beauty uh, out of that, which is, I mean, the hope that we have as Christians, even in the midst of chaos. Well, and it's chaos to us, and yet there is not one molecule, one rogue atom outside of God's sovereign control. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so where that leads us as people who believe, who trust in God's stead, his steadfast love, who believe, who trust in his character, who believe God is who he says he is, is our response is not to be angry or belligerent. It's it's but it's to be faithful, right? Yeah. Faithful, not fearful. Um, and you actually uh, Nick put down Habakkuk uh, three seventeen. Wait, how do you say that? I say Habakkuk, but you say Habakkuk, don't you? Habakkuk. There's got to be. It's Habakkuk. Well, I mean, unless it's D.A. Carson. D.A. Carson will just like, whenever he like speaks, he says things. I'm like, I've never heard it said like that, but he'll use terms like that. Are you doing that? Yeah, you know, I'm, I am a trendsetter. That's cool. <laughs> Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Here is Habakkuk. Um, <laughs> no, but so the book ends. And, and actually... Did you preach this part? Or did I preach this part? I did. Yeah. You preached at the very end where it oh, yeah. says, 
Though the fig tree should not blossom, yeah, yeah. nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stall. So basically saying, okay, if we do lose everything, if everything just goes away, yeah. if, if, if chaos rules the day as it appears, then he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes me feel like the deer. He makes me tread on my high places. Um, and we have a guy here who's saying, I'm not going to trust in the things of this world. I'm going to trust in God and his grace because of who he sees that God is through his word and through all that he has revealed himself to be. And I think that's to be our response. That's it's what we talked about. It's instructive for us. Uh, in the midst of the crisis that we find ourselves in. This is uncharted territory. Yeah. And we, we see both in the church and out of the church, obviously, all kinds of different responses, mostly mostly fearful responses on either side of the issues. And uh, we're fearful, we're reacting out of emotion. And it, it, it shows us, what Habakkuk is showing us, is that uh, our confidence and our hope and our trust is not in these unsettling, constantly changing uh, circumstances around us, but he's simply saying that that God is enough. The fact yeah, that I yeah. have the greatest inheritance that anyone can ever have, the fact that God has called me into the best of any possible lives, you know, life with Him, I have yeah. Him. Uh, that's enough, and that's Habakkuk's conclusion. That even though, even though right. God is enough, even though COVID exists, God is enough, and I think that's a that's a. That's, that's the challenge as Christians is to, to find out where does our hope, where is it actually located. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, it, and it's both in a, in a, a present, his, his presence with us, meaning a present grace, but also a future grace, yeah. right? That the, the day is coming where all of what appears to be chaos and what appears, I mean, it, it's wrong. Evil is wrong, right? Uh, death is wrong. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. Sin is illogical. Uh, it doesn't make sense to us uh, because it's not part of the original created order, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, there's a day that where all of that is going to be wiped away, right? Um, and that's that's what he's looking to. But here we are in the trial, right? And I think if you throw out God's sovereignty and that He rules over all of this. I mean, you just play out that implication, mm-hmm. then you will actually, you, you rule out the inerrancy of Scripture. And you will deny Romans 8, 28, where God says, I work, all, all I work good, I work all things for the good of those who love me yeah. and for His glory. Because if we don't believe that God actually rules, if you think He just simply reacts and responds, mm-hmm. then you're always hoping God is going to get the upper hand and hope He does. But if you believe in the omnipotent God, who rules and is sovereign over all things, then you can begin to see this is why we know that no matter what happens in our life, whether it's COVID or any other pandemic or some other type of darkness that descends upon our soul that we cannot see out of, but there is hope because of the God that we serve. And we see that in 66 books of his word. That's what I was saying. We don't have to make this up. Like if, if this is where it's so helpful for us to pour over the scriptures because the, the story uh, from Genesis to Revelation, yeah. Yeah. is is showing God's faithfulness in the midst of chaos. That's all the time. The Bible. The Bible deals with the reality of the world, yeah. 
But it does that. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't sugarcoat things. It shows the reality of sin and suffering and sorrow and death. And yet, it, it shows us that because it shows us this thread of the faithfulness of God. Yeah. That not in spite of these things, but in the midst of these things, God is the is the one who's always faithful. So his past his past like faithfulness to to take his people through even the worst of times uh, reminds us that in the present we can trust him as well and if yeah. we're not pouring over those stories we kind of forget and yeah. think that this is the most unbelievable yeah. time we've ever experienced like no this is another time of suffering in which God will be faithful because yeah. he has been well and, and suffering reveals things right so that's what we're calling this episode the COVID mirror we all unanimously agreed upon that title. Yes, too. yes. As of just, now, just you saying. have. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's called the COVID mirror. Uh, so what has COVID revealed? Uh, and and Chris is, is our regional minister. I mean, you're talking to pastors and uh, all over the uh, Northwest. Um, but first, we, we ask that question: What has COVID revealed in, in churches? Yeah. Um, so that's a, so. Like, can you prep him more? Like, or help people understand okay. why he's like. Yeah. The person yeah. so, to answer this, especially in our, in our neck of the woods sure. and world. So Chris is the regional minister for North American Baptist Association. What that means is, you know how you have a pastor over a, a, a church, a flock? Chris is the pastor over all those pastors. That's how I introduce him. He's like our boss. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. Pastor to pastor He's, sounds better. Yeah, I yeah. think, you know, and, and what's great, you know, is, is Chris does know. He is involved in... And, and has a finger or two on the on the pulse of the churches inside the region. And because so, he meets with pastors all he, the time. He meets with them, he calls them, he um, is engaged with them. And uh, man, and that's part of what's so great about our association, honestly, uh, is it's it's not a distant figurehead, um, but, but a shepherd. Well, in and, fact, uh, there's four things that you guys try to accomplish um, as... You want to just do yeah. them? Because I, yeah. I want to mention really one of them, but you might as yeah, well do our, it. No, our, our, our purpose, we really have four reasons why we get together, which leads to this, is that, uh, that we, we exist together as a group of churches to strengthen the disciple-making health of every church, that we will be churches that make disciples who make disciples. This is, this is what we're to be about, to the glory of God. Uh, secondly, we, we exist together to help each other raise up and develop leaders, um, godly leaders who can be sent out into... Uh, planting churches, pastoring churches, uh, to mission fields, uh, and in ministry to the church. And, and then we exist to, together to help plant new churches. And, and we really believe if we're, if we're making disciples and if we're developing leaders, we will plant churches, we will multiply churches. And then fourth, and probably as important as all that I just said, um, uh, one of the probably the most important thing I do is care for pastors, which is our fourth purpose, yeah. is to really be able to care for one another and for me personally to care for our pastors because the health of the pastors did, uh, is so crucial to the mission of the church. And so those are the four and reasons that's, why. And that's largely why like you're here on this episode is because you care for pastors, so you're constantly interacting with them. You're hearing struggles, strengths, all that kind yeah. of stuff, helping them wrestle through uh, just cultural things, uh, biblical things, many different yeah. issues. And so uh, we thought you would be able to help us because Bobby and I can speak a lot about you know the churches that we're in. Of course, Chris, you're in, you're in with me at Timberline. We know a little bit outside with other churches, but you, you're constantly in contact 
with people of other churches. And so I think if we can just let you kind of go and we'll, we'll fill in some, some random details throughout it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about um, maybe what COVID has revealed uh, strengths and challenges? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think on the positive side, especially early on the first six to eight weeks of you know, quarantine, like in our region uh, and in our churches, uh, I mean, there, there was a, there was initially like a, it threw us into a tailspin, right? I mean, all of you as pastors, all of our pastors are trying to figure out, okay, what do we do now? How do we, uh, you know, many of them were wrestling with the digital piece of that. Like we're going to try to do some online stuff some live stream. What do we, you know, so, so some pastors fared better in that and some didn't just, uh, you know, depending on their level of technical skills and, uh, or who they had in their church that was technical. Uh, but that, that's a, that's another positive and negative that we can get to later. So that was, that was, you know, people, pastors were struggling with that, but I think on the positive as I was having Zoom calls and just talking with pastors on the phone, um, is that one of the things the church did well, a lot of our churches, is they, they all of a sudden just started creatively thinking, how are we going to care for one another? Mm-hmm. And how are we going to care for our community? Uh, as I was talking to pastors early on, like pastors were engaging with their people and, and having their people engage with each other more, which is ironic. We're all quarantined in our homes we're having, we're not doing in-person services. And yet yeah. I can't tell you how many times I heard pastors say, man, our people are talking and calling each other. We've set up phone trees of just making mm-hmm. sure everybody's taken care of and whatever needs there are, we're praying for each other. People who don't talk to each other on a Sunday morning are now calling each other. And, and uh, I know we, we had that at Timberline, a few people like calling each other that have never talked hardly, but now they're in charge of calling one another and making sure they're okay. Um, and then just, I, and so I think that's a, that's a huge positive. I think people, the church just kind of broke down into the most basic and important thing uh, in one sense. It's like uh, Galatians where it says, um, do good to everyone and especially yeah. to the body of Christ. Like yeah. we were thinking about just the most basic thing. How do we love one another? How do we love our neighbors? How do we love people in our communities? And what are ways that we can creatively meet needs yeah. and care for each other? So I think that is like, uh, honestly, a beautiful piece of this that happens. So the fellowship... Um, I think even I heard churches saying like, uh, I know at Timberland we did this, but we had different people getting on Zoom calls, talking to each other, even planning things. Uh, uh, you know, so I think people were immersed all of a sudden into doing real hands-on ministry that wasn't complicated, um, that maybe before weren't really doing, weren't calling people, weren't caring for people. And so I think there's just a lot of positive about that. And uh, so that, that was encouraging. I think the church was mobilized in a healthy way uh, in those first six to eight weeks. Now, I don't know if you want me to transition, you know, because um, I think... Yeah. Well, before you... Look, yeah. Let's stay on the strength yeah. for a moment. Yeah. What did you see, Bobby? Like, like yeah. even here at Hope, like, what were, yeah. what were you encouraged by? Well, I think, you know, initially, we were all trying to figure out what in the world COVID was, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a virus. Um, and, and I think even, even from the beginning, there were some who had polarized views. And so I think a strength that's come out for us is we're not going to be divided over those views. Yeah. Like they, th- those aren't, um, we're not going to let that define us or tear us apart as a church. And so uh, that was good. That was good. We had to wrestle through that um, and, and kind of know yeah, what does that mean for the sake of others, um, for the sake of unity within the body. Uh, I, the other thing that was, you know, it's just interesting because there's people for whom um, 
within a month, were saying, man, I miss the church. I miss gathering as a church body. And some of them you expected it from, right? And then others, you're like, really? Because we haven't seen you. (laughs) We haven't seen you in four to six weeks. I just thought this was, you know, you might have felt like this was an extended vacation for you. Um, But, uh, no, you see people in the body who who want to gather, who miss gathering. And I love that. Like, that's that's great. Um, We had to adjust quickly. Um, And just interesting, because there was already a few things that we were pushing you know, uh, we have a video camera back there that we were just, we, we were planning just to stream out in our hallway. You know, that's why we bought it, just so we could have uh, nursing moms or you know, families with kids or just folks who need to be close to the restroom, to be honest with you, um, and to have, let them have a place to be a part of worship service when we're here. Yeah. And so uh, we had that ready to go, like right as this happened. And so just providentially, we had, we had that taken care of. Um, but uh, it, it really, it forced us to figure out different ways to connect with the body. So from phone calls to uh, a lot of benevolence, you know, uh, there are, we do have people for whom they were affected uh, a lot less than we thought mm-hmm. at first. We thought, I mean, uh, we thought we were going to be hit pretty bad as a church, just with people in the body. That hasn't happened quite to the extent we thought it would. But we have people calling and asking, saying, hey, who's hurting in the body? Does anyone need any help? Um, is anyone having trouble making their rent, making their bills? And so you see the body be the body. Yeah. And that's been great. Uh, we did Zoom table groups as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and when this first started, when we went down from meeting to 100, which didn't affect us because we're not there yet, to 50, that's when we, we broke off and we said, okay, so we're going to meet in homes, we're going to record, and we'll have a group there, we'll have a group here, we'll have a group here. And some of those groups continue to meet, you know, throughout yeah. the whole thing, yeah. and which is, which is great. It's just the body being the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that we're meeting back together, you know, it, um, those relationships, you know, just continue to strengthen, yeah. you know, throughout the course of this. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's good. I think, I think just to add a couple things on is, um, Getting back to talking about giving, uh, I have seen, in, for the most part, in all of our churches, I would say there's been an incredible surge of generosity, mm-hmm. which I think is just an amazing mm-hmm. uh, testament. Like, yeah. you would have thought, I was really concerned, like, that we would fall into crisis in some of our churches. Um, but some churches uh, just ramped up their online giving. And I have a lot of our churches uh, reporting anywhere from 15 to even up to 30% increase yeah. in their giving. And most all of our churches are either maintaining or have increased. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, and, and people are being generous with that. And I'm, I'm really encouraged by that. And, and I, I think that's just a beautiful piece of this. I think the other positive that I've heard from pastors about people in their churches is I'm thinking Obviously, a good part about this is that even though it was hard, it like it just put a stop to everything. Like we literally, mm-hmm. all of us had crazy busy lives, yeah. probably way too busy, um, me, myself included, uh, way too many things lined up probably for this whole fall or spring, and uh, and it just stopped in a moment. And we're finding ourselves on the couch with our families, yeah. um, <laughs> having church, praying together, yeah. talking about stuff, yeah. and there's a beauty to that that yeah. was needed and necessary. It's not a replacement, obviously we know that, but for that season, 
uh, it was really good. I heard a lot of people in our churches, but even pastors reporting, um, even for their own lives, like that that was really helpful, just to spend time yeah. with their wives, spend time with their kids, play games, pray together, and just even the, even the online church was sort of, for a season, was like a, just a neat, I think it was actually a really refreshing kind of thing for some families. Um, and, uh, and then one more positive has been, uh, you know, I think we were all pretty, I think our, our generation, even a pastor, we were somewhat skeptical of doing too much online mm -hmm. kind of stuff, too mm -hmm. much video stuff, too much, you know, and I think we still have to be cautious about that. It's not, yeah. we, we all know this is not a replacement for the gathered church. Yeah. And there's a whole theological reality to that. Yeah. But I think as churches, what we've realized is that you know, we, we, we maybe have a tool here that we have, uh, for wrong reasons in some ways, we've just sort of not really developed and utilized yeah. that can be used for a really good purpose, even after yeah. the church is gathering. Yeah. And, I, and we've seen people, I mean, I know churches that have had people come to Christ as a result of this yes. in our region, and they've had a baptism. Uh, and so I think, I think that's a huge thing where sometimes we, we've neglected a tool, a resource. Because yeah. um, uh, one reason for that, and I'll make this quick, is that here in the Northwest, like, like really lost, lost people don't just walk into our churches on Sunday morning. Yeah. That's not the way it works here. Uh, and, and we, we have to build relationship and there has to be mm -hmm. some connection. And yet it's very safe for anyone in our community simply to log in and watch something and sort of wrestle with it, like in their house. And so it really has provided a bit of an end to hear the gospel yeah. for mm -hmm. someone yeah. and not have to leave their living room. And, and I think for reaching out to, to this generation, to the people in our communities, it's become something that we need to develop more. We need to think through that. Yeah. So, so I'll just add two more real quick. Uh, neighbors. Neighbors have logged on and watched sermons, and, which is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, uh, and also um, folks that are connected to me but somewhere else and, and um, it has developed a relationship with some people that I had no clue were searching and seeking. Uh, and so there's, there's benefit to it. And I, and I think it, there was a big push the first six, eight weeks because people were looking for hope. Yeah, right. That's right. Uh, and, and I think they still are. Yeah. They still are. Uh, but I, I saw some fruit in the beginning of, of this season. Like that, I don't know that we would have reached him any other way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And um, now I think uh, on the negative side of that one, after six to eight weeks, mm -hmm. I would say most of our pastors have told me that that presence is more so not, I'm not thinking from maybe the, the, the random person from the communities or something, but their own people's participation yeah. in online stuff, uh, people logging in, listening to the, the live feeds, whatever, started to tank after six to eight weeks. And I mean, not just a little bit, like, but dropped off like in half. Like people started to check out uh, in about that eight week mark, eight week mark. And, I, and that's an interesting development. Like, and pastors have got really discouraged mm -hmm. by that. Like, like, man, we're doing all this work because now yeah. it's a very different, uh, I think I think that's one of the challenges in this for you as pastors. As I hear pastors talk, I've described it this way: that that it's um, the scorecard has changed, and like in a moment, mm -hmm. the ways that we usually gauged um, 
and kind of the metrics we use to go, ministry's going okay, people are moving along, they're growing. Yeah. All of the things that we typically would go, yeah, you know, there's people in small groups, table groups, uh, mm -hmm. there's people doing these ministries and those ministries. Well, all those ministries stopped. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we're going, what is, how, how can I determine how, whether or not ministry is going well? Like, how do I know? And just to put it really unspiritual crass terms, it's like, how do I know we're succeeding? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, how do I, how do yeah. I actually know I'm doing my job as a pastor? Yeah. Because the normal marks, like Sunday morning's going well, Wednesdays, you know, or small groups are going well, prayer meeting is, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, disciples are being made, you know, like in these ways, like all those things just change. Like we don't have any of those programs. We don't have even Sunday morning for a season. And so I, I think that's been, it started to catch up after that eight week mark with a lot of you as pastors. And I started hearing that like just discouragement. Like there's a, went from excitement in six to eight weeks to like things are happening to this is yeah. not fun anymore. And it's a lot of work to do online stuff. And, and pastors started going, what's this for? What's the return? Yeah. yeah. People are checking out. Uh, and so I, so that's that's some just a couple negatives. We can get into a bunch more, but yeah, Nick, maybe what, what's what have you some things that you've thought about or yeah? Well, no, I, I think just jumping on the, on that. So online church has a role, but it's not the role. Yeah. And I think the, I think that's what that's what you're describing. Yeah. Six to eight weeks. Hey, in an in between interim type period. We're all trying to, you know, abide by some, you know, regulations and stuff like that. Trying to figure out what's the most appropriate way to respond. But then you begin to see, wait, we are called to gather. And there's a reason. Yeah. Like, yeah. we're called to be, we are social people. Even the person who doesn't, you know, want to be with people, they actually do want to they be do. with people. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, think, I think what that does is it kind of emphasize also what I think you guys have said. There is a beauty in the online. It, it is a connecting, it's a starting point. It's a low risk entrance for the guy who goes, okay, I know you're at that church. You know what? I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to, I'm going to log in and just watch what happens. And it's an easy way for either unbelievers or, or whatever, just to have a taste of what happens in the church. We're in a military context up, uh, up in Lacey with the Lewis McCord base. So we have the largest joint military base this side of the Mississippi. And there is 10,000 people that come in during the summer and leave and all that kind of stuff. And so we have had, um, in eight years now, we've had about 80 people leave our church military just because they're PCSing going other places. They love Almost every single one of them have contacted in one way or another saying, hey, it's so awesome to be able to just watch and see because while they're here, we really become that family. We're that family away from family for military. And so it has been amazing, especially for some of the families who had just left. They're still wrestling with where do we find a church? Amazing time. Again, it's not the replacement of finding the local church, but it serves a purpose. Also with the amount of military coming in, Normally, you're having to go check out every church, which is one a week, and you know you can listen to podcasts and stuff, but now all this military coming in, they can more quickly, to some extent, get a taste of certain churches and figure out, hey, because of this video and because of the online presence, we can have a little bit better understanding of where we want to be. So anyways, there was good stuff there. Uh, probably what I saw most in our church strength-wise 
is, I won't, I won't talk Unity because you already did that one, um, but I think that'd be right there close with it, but uh, a biblical grounding. Like I didn't see our people waver necessarily. Now there's some who maybe responded more fearfully or, or less fearfully in a sense, but there was a biblical grounding that I think I saw our people demonstrate um, through an understanding of God's sovereignty, through a trust in him, through a faith that our God is good. Um, and that, that was huge. I mean, that was really, really good. Uh, the weakness that I've seen, as you kind of bring up, is you, you see areas that need to be strengthened. And maybe there are areas like for us we knew need to be strengthened. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah, they need to be strengthened yesterday, not today. Because now, yeah. uh, so for us, like our table groups, um, they had been going good. Then just for various reasons, it kind of began to dwindle a little bit. And we were in the process of getting there. But all of a sudden, COVID hit, and they were still in this weaker state. And so table groups, which provide a natural means of community and fellowship, I just felt like we could have been stronger, and we weren't as strong this time. So uh, kind of in that grounds of how do we strengthen that and make it so when we, when we get to something again, we're already positioned because of just the way we're strategizing and doing our discipleship within the church. So... Yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I think the, on that weakness side of it, the reality is, I, I've said this to many people, it, that as people, but certainly as Christians, we're, we're a bit like a tea bag in that you mm -hmm. drop us in hot water and, and you kind of find out what we're made of. Mm -hmm. like, and, and I think we've seen the positive things that come out, but also um, I, think, I think in a very surprising way to most of us. I don't think any of us saw, I certainly did not see what was coming yeah. Uh, and I know talking to a lot of our pastors on the phone, I spent a lot of time just talking on the phone. Um, they did not, we, none of us saw this coming where once, once the conversation went after six to eight weeks or whatever to how do we reopen? Um, so that transition, things were in the, in the, in the six to eight week time, things were kind of moving along and there was new things and people kind of had that excitement that starts to taper off. And now all of a sudden we're talking about, so what does this look like? We're, wrestling with government regulations and and once that conversation started um, all of a sudden things started to get exposed that weren't so healthy uh, and we found out uh, you know that there's that in one sense just to describe it in general I would say what we're finding out is that in some places in our churches and in some people's lives that have surprised I think a lot of us of who it is like you kind of think that this person's going to really be faith, you know, like be, be strong in the midst of this or whatever. I was just be faithful, but just be strong or they, they might be this way or that way. Uh, but I think it surprised us to realize that some of our people, some of the church isn't as rooted in the gospel as we thought. And, and that's a good thing to have exposed, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. as shepherds, this is what we're hoping that God would sanctify us, that he'd be working in us. But, but I can say the challenge of that is that, um, I think that the, the biggest challenge I've heard from pastors almost universally is that you have people in your, in your body that you're shepherding that are really, really fearful on the one hand or somewhat fearful, like really having struggles with real fear about the coronavirus and sort of, sort of really hanging in that area. And you have people on the other side of the spectrum who, could, who think it's just all stupid mm -hmm. and just dismissing everything. It, it's dumb. It's a, it's a government conspiracy. 
and and you have everything in between and as pastors as shepherds of the church you're trying to develop a plan to get back together face to face that that most responsibly and obeys what the government's saying and yet is is feasible is workable uh, you know because some things aren't always that workable as it sounds on paper and 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 so what's happened is our pastors are getting shot at from both sides there are those who are going man we shouldn't be doing any of this. We should just be getting together. And then there are those who are so fearful. Why are we doing anything? Yeah. Are you crazy? You're going to kill people. Um, uh, I, I think I, I think probably the most revealing thing is when I, I was walking through with our church, even you know Colossians three, which says uh, if at any point we disagree with one another, let us let us forgive one another as in Christ we've mm-hmm. been forgiving. Let's yeah. show kindness and compassion. And and I, I did this whole devotion, and we're talking about these incredible characteristics of how Christians ought to relate to each other when they have problems. And then literally I, I made a comment about how we're going to try to handle these, these uh, you know, the regulations and getting together. And the first thing that one person said was, if we don't require everybody to wear masks, we're going to be, the blood's going to be on our hands. We're going to kill people. You know, and I was just like, it. we're going to kill people. I, I, I was totally blown away. I almost, I almost wanted to say, wait a minute, let, let's go back to Colossians 3, you know. Uh, and, uh, and, but that's the tension that pastors are feeling. And I think on the negative side, like I really have had uh, several pastors call me and just say, uh, I'm done. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. much, it's, yeah. it's because they're getting shot at. They can't, no one, they, they're trying to tow, they're trying to stand mm-hmm. in the middle of this gap and, and come up with the reasonable ways that we can meet. Yeah. And people are unreasonably just shooting at them and not working with them. And they, and this is after coming off of a season of, doing ministry in a way that's been difficult, mm-hmm. the whole digital thing, and still having to keep up with that, but now think about opening, and so they're kind of exhausted from this whole new ministry they've been doing and not feeling you know, good about that in one sense, and now all of a sudden they're getting bombarded with chaos. And so I think that's been a, a big surprise, uh, and I think it reveals something weak yes. about the church. I think we go, why have we not had a greater impact in our community? It's because we're fighting about no master masks. Literally, we're fighting some little battle over here yeah. that has nothing to do with what it means to love my neighbor. And you're not talking about, in one sense, just right now, but in the life of church. Yes. Like, yes. We, we can get so distracted on our things that the mission, it's not just secondary. It's, it's, it's fourth, fifth, sixth row back, you know. And That's right. Because we're, and of course, COVID highlights that where yeah. it does feel like I would, I would say something like this, where it feels like the mission of making disciples was not a priority or surely that's on hold during COVID. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know that people would say that, but I think that's how but people... That's the reality. That's how people function. I mean, yeah. And I mean, we, there's still people we know that they haven't left their house. Yeah. I mean, they're not calling anyone. They're not doing anything. They're in totally hunkering down and we can wrestle through with whether that's wise or not, but, yeah. but obedience to scripture is always required. And yeah, so we're definitely seeing that take a secondary because of other fears, which I think is like what you're saying. Also, there's a goodness to it because as pastors, the good thing is we're seeing where our church is areas that need to be shepherded areas that need to be strengthened. Um, and so it, it highlights it, which, which stinks in one hand, too, because nobody likes to see where we're weak in. Because uh, oftentimes we then take that as personal, like, oh, I should have done better. And, and kind of as pastors, we should do better. We should always be wrestling with that. But 
now we know. It's, and that there is a grace in this also that God exposes so that we can come alongside our churches. Well, and our, I mean, our church is made up of, of individuals, right? And, and sheep are going to bite and goats are going to kick. And that's always going to be the case inside of a church because you're never going to have a church of fully sanctified people until Jesus comes, right? That's right. So that, that's always going to be the case that there's going to be some who are more or less on mission and some who are more or less sanctified and some who are more or less mature. Uh, and, and I think what this COVID mirror has done is exactly what you just said. It, it reveals where people are at. It even reveals where we are at too. Yeah. Like even within our own house and our own family. I mean, there's, there's, you know, I've talked to several people for whom, and even, even with us for a while, we were on a different page. Like, okay, where exactly, what exactly does this mean? Uh, what exactly does COVID mean for us as a family? Um, and those are things you have to wrestle through. That's just part of the process, yeah. right? But this, and the reason why. This is called The COVID Mirror. It's which is a title we all love. Which is a title Nick especially loves. It's my uh, favorite. Thank you. Uh, it, it presents you with yourself. Yeah. Amen. And I, I can't say, I've seen more men than women who are struggling because they are home with themselves. They have to face themselves. Yeah. And there are things where they didn't have to face before. And now, not only that, but they have to face themselves without um, the personal interaction that you have within the body. Like, especially during those first six, eight weeks. Yeah. You know, uh, because it, I don't know about you guys, but for me, man, it was hard for me to prepare a sermon during those first six, eight weeks. Not just because there's a technology curve, but because I can't go to my local coffee shop and sit down and write it. Because extrovert Bob here needs both coffee and people. Pe- people. Wait, people. coffee and people. Uh, people. Which and one's coffee. more? People. Yeah. People. People yeah. more than coffee. But but that's yeah. part of it. I mean, the, the oxytocin, not oxycotton, oxytocin yeah. that you get is shaking hands and hugging and and yeah. warm relationships with people. I mean, that's part of what you, we're made for that. Yeah. And 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 I'm not I'm not making a comment on masks at all. Other than to say, when you put a mask on, you dehumanize someone. It is so much more, yeah. It's it's hard. And like my wife went into Fred Meyer a few weeks ago and she said, man, Bobby, and and pardon me for using the term, uh, I'll just say this. She said, Fred Meyer is getting so much more scary. Mm -hmm. And we're like, like, honey, nothing's changed in our area. It's just everyone's wearing a mask and no one wants, it's dehumanizing. There's no smiling, there's, there's no, no facial smiling. expression. Like I, I would typically go and, yeah. I mean, I, I, that was part of my social time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, I wanna to go to the store, honey, let me go, so yeah. I can say hi to people. And, yeah. and there's none of that, and, and that is affecting our personhood. Uh, I think the COVID mirror also puts up, you know, and I know we're running short on time, but relational issues that you yeah. have with your wife. Yeah. I know Tiff and I, it's, it's been so, it was hard, yet so good. Yeah. Uh, uh, that 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 this happened because there were some more things that we got to actually talk through and walk through uh, that if we weren't home with each other yeah. this way at this time uh, I mean it would have come up eventually yeah. it, but it, it, it forced that mirror really forces yeah. you to look at like what's going on in our heart and our mind and our communication and our relationship are we honoring God in this yeah. where is God in this yeah. you know uh, and so it, it really forces you to take a good, solid look. Yeah, it, it kicks out. So I think, I think one of the things that go along those lines is the, that was revealed is that it it's kicks out the props 
that we've used to prop up our lives that we that we now can see clearly we have some idols, right? Yeah. Like, like, and one of those idols that we have, honestly, that I'm seeing in the churches that's getting kicked out is our methodology. We realize that the the, the methodology, the the methods or the forms of the way that we do church, when those things are getting you know, under, you know, where we can't do it the same way, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're all freaking out. We're all, I, I, people are literally just like, it's almost like we, we can't be a church unless we get back to the way we were. And I really want to, I really am trying to press on uh, many who are saying that to say, uh, maybe God's not calling us to get back to the way we were. Maybe with the way we were was unhealthy and we just didn't know it. And yeah. now we're, now our fight is yeah. all of a sudden not as we're not fighting. I don't find a lot of these internal church fights even over how well we're going to love our neighbors, how well we're actually serving our people and serving the people around us, serving our families. The fight all of a sudden turned from that focus to all of a sudden now it's about we got to get back to meeting as normal. We got to get back. And all yeah. of a sudden, uh, and, and now that we can't meet as normal, the reality, we can't get mm-hmm. together in person as normal. Like things, we, there are things that are different the way we meet right now, and we're still freaking out about it, you know. And part of me is just going, I mean, that reveals a level of unhealth and the fact that we we have some idols underneath there. There are, I, I constantly, just as far as perspective, I just constantly find myself going, there are there are Christians, in fact, the majority around the world, who it's they die if they meet yeah. together. And they have to find creative ways to sneak through the night yeah. to go meet with four or five other brothers and sisters to pray and worship and hear the word and then sneak back home. And, and we're, we're not anywhere close to that. Like it's like, and it's just revealing these idols. And so I think yeah. that's one thing. There's, there's a lot of idols in the church that's getting revealed. And I think one of the idols, too, is our politics. Yes. And I think one of the idols is us as pastors is that we all have personal opinions about all this stuff, too. But the way in which we can lead well is we, we, even though I may have a strong opinion about something on either side of where this issue is, as leaders, we're having to, we're having to grow in the fact we have to set some of that aside and go, how am I going to shepherd people on all these extremes? And I can't do that if I am the one engaging mostly in the political debates and in all that kind of stuff. I have to look at my people, look at my community and figure out how am I going to love them? How am I going to help them grow in, in holiness? Right? Like that's what we're doing. Like the, the mission of the church hasn't changed. Sin is still sin, right? Fear is still sin. Mm -hmm. Being unkind, still sin. We need to grow. We need to be putting these things to death. Yeah, that's right. I'm, and, 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 and holiness, holiness, I mean, being formed, is not sin. being formed into the image, yeah, that's right, being sin. formed into the image of Christ uh, is still the goal, right? Yeah. That's still the aim, like yeah. we're still to be holy. And so if, if our number one fight as a church, if what we're being known for is, is first and foremost our po- politics or even our constitutional rights, heaven forbid, if, if that's what we're fighting for, we've completely missed it. And if the world around us sees us as fighting mostly for our political rights, I think we're, we've lost our mission. And I think there is some unhealthy idols with that mm-hmm. going on. Um, and I don't know how much time we got. We got to well, wrap I, it I think up. It's, I think it's a good so, way then to, to bring that up. So there's idols, and we've talked about the difficulty in meeting 
And although I think most churches are, are trying to engage in some form of meeting now, whether that's outdoor, like we're doing outdoor services, you're doing outdoor services, yeah. some churches are still online. Um, maybe we just end with just a couple practical, um, from a pastor's point of view, this is, this is what we'd say how we want yeah. people to respond. Yeah. One is pray. Yes. Pray for your church. Yeah. Pray about these idols. Pray about idols in your own heart. Mm-hmm. Pray for the leadership. Pray for wise decision making. Mm-hmm. Pray for humility. I mean, that's we need everyone just praying in our church that we would have this. I mean, if we all pray for unity, guess what's going to happen? Yeah, we're going to have unity. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think that'd be one thing as pastors. We'd say pray, pray for our church, your church, uh, pray for our churches too. Um, be engaged. Yeah, like. Like whatever that looks like right now, like it's all different. Um, don't wait to be asked. Like realize that your pastor, ministry leaders, some of them, they're not sure how to go forward. They're not sure who to ask. They're not sure on comfort levels. So they probably want to ask you, but they don't know. And they're probably tired. And as Chris said, some guys have been shot kind of from both sides and they're just kind of, they're worn out at the moment. So if you can come in and just come alongside your pastor and other ministry leaders and just say, hey, I'm here to help. What do you want? What do you need? Mm-hmm. Let me help. Man, that's just like a breath of fresh air, like mm-hmm. a cool drink of water and every other analogy of goodness right there. Like know that your pastor is wanting that and needing that. What, what's something else? Those two are huge. Um, uh, I think being engaged, being engaged in the body and loving each other um, which we talked about earlier, uh, I, I think is the right response. You know, I, um, be, a, be a part of the solution. Be a part of the solution. That's good. Not the problem. Well, I, think, I think like yeah. the calling the people yourself. Don't, yeah. wait for the, don't wait for the pastor to call everyone or you. Yeah. Call the pastor. Call the other people. Be yeah. engaged. You're your family. Yep. I, I think it's too um, putting things in perspective. Uh, we tend to be tunnel vision as Christians and as leaders. Um, even as we seek to reopen, however we do all that stuff, and and I think we have to we have to constantly come back and say my application of even my rights and yeah. my the way in which it takes wisdom and how I'm going to apply that, how yeah. I'm going to apply how we meet, the plans of how we meet, and and all those kinds of political conversations. Even the number one thing that we fail to see is the whole picture of what it means to just be a disciple. Yeah. If my application and living out. Of, of even right godly things. My obedience even to God is done in such a way yeah. that I'm not loving my neighbor, then I'm, I'm wrong. I'm out of step. Even yeah. if I'm doing the right thing, but, but the way in which I'm going about it is, is actually not well, loving and, and caring and thinking about others. We're in an election year. I mean, and it is so... I mean, added tension. Added tension oh. here, in, here in Portland and up, you guys aren't far yeah. from Seattle. I mean, we're... We're, we're near uh, a couple of the epicenters of, of what has been really rioting, uh, protesting, but rioting. Yeah. You guys had that here in Portland? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yes, we have. Absolutely. And, and so I mean, it's happened both places, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, Even downtown Olympia, we're like just around really? the corner from us. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah we, and, and not so much here in Hillsboro. Um, Hillsboro is a little bit further out. Uh, you know, so, but, but I mean, I know people. Um, that live in that area and just yeah. to see the destruction and um, so how we talk about that mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think we, what we need to remember is Jesus is our king mm-hmm. 
we are blessed to live in in this government but jesus is our king yeah um the president of the united states will not save us he is not our savior we will not have a savior on capitol hill right um and it doesn't mean we shouldn't be involved or shouldn't have thoughts or shouldn't engage in conversation but we have to do it in a manner in which we love people i think it's it's, we have to it's the simplistic things love god love your neighbor i I think of of matthew which just simply says like let them see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven so when we say even like how am i supposed to talk about for instance the riots riots i would say how what is my demeanor supposed to be like in everything, not only how I talk, but what do yeah. I do with the person who's lost his business? What should the church's response be? And it's like, love God and love our neighbor. Like, yeah. go, go, you know, pray for God to give us wisdom as to how I can actually yeah. show, you know, do these good deeds in the name of Jesus uh, and, and, and let God be glorified in that. Just like, yeah. be kingdom people. What is the kingdom look like in the midst of this kind of stuff and, and I think that's a uh, we, we lose sight we lose yeah, sight yeah. It's, it's 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 getting back to simple stuff you know okay. well, and yeah and I think like on that like we talked about you know praying engaging with people in the church thinking about how you talk doing so in a way of humility realizing that your light um, engage and evangelize those outside the church right mm-hmm. now um, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what this has been the easiest time ever to invite people to church. People literally go, and they know I'm a pastor, and they go, what are you doing? Oh, we're meeting now. Oh, you are? Yeah, you want to come? Every single one has said yes. Every single person That's I've awesome. talked to. Yeah. Um, there's a hunger. that People do want to know meaning. They do want to know truth. COVID has exposed insecurities in everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just encourage you, if you're listening, Man, share the gospel, invite people to church. Just let them know, hey, we're meeting now. You want to come? And they'll probably be, oh, you're meeting? Yeah, you want to come? And they'll probably say yes. And if they don't, you didn't lose anything. They're still not coming. Um, (laughs) But I would encourage you, invite them, start a conversation. This, I mean, it's like like the lob right now Mm -hmm. in baseball. Mm -hmm. We're just being lobbed to pitch on evangelism right now. And we need to take advantage of it. So I just encourage be a light and see the opportunity that we have. People are interested, even if they don't know that they're interested in church. As soon as you say they're meeting, there's an intrigue. Really? How? Why do you do that? What does that look like? Well, we'll show you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, I think that's good. All right, we, we hit our time. So uh, let me pray and then we'll, we'll go out. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness to us. We want to be a people uh, who are transformed into the image of your son who are a purified bride for you. We want to be a people who are light to the world, who shine your love, your grace, your truth, your mercy, uh, your kindness, Lord, your holiness uh, to the world around us. Um, Lord, may it be that through this season, uh, you would sanctify your church. You would sanctify us, Lord. Um, and that we would be a broken vessel uh, for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Satisfied in Christ. Thank you for listening. You can find any resources or podcasts at www.satisfiedinchrist.life. That's dot L-I-F-E.
And we'll throw up the, uh, the website to the NEB Northwest where you can see the Chris Garman and the ministries that are taking place up here. Is there a picture of you up there? There is. Okay. Wow. Keeps the rats away. Dude. <laughs>